Welcome everyone to the last video store clerks podcast with Frank and Scott. The days of blockbuster Hollywood and the independent video store are over. But searching the shelves for that special overlooked movie will never end. The one that really sticks with you forever. Let's drown ourselves in a sea of streaming services and ask the question, what the fuck is that? Does this hold up? And just what the hell is a good movie anyway? I'm Frank Roll. I'm Scott Moran. And we're the last video store clerks. Test tube, baby. <laughs> there was some hardcore jokes in that. I remember watching that when I was at the video store mm-hmm. and being like, oh, shit, baby's kids. Yeah. And I like put it on. I was like, this is not for children. <laughs> some of these fucking jokes are. So whatever year that came out is when we went to go see it at the movie theater. I didn't see that in the theater. I saw it on a VHS tape at a cousin's house or something. like oh, that. Oh, that was at the theater. The theater in West Virginia, not supplying everything. <laughs> I did see three ninjas in the theater. But I feel like looking back, I was like, that was kind of a stretch for you guys. Like, maybe nobody comes to that. Man, every kid in the parking lot afterwards was like doing karate and shit. Like, I've never fucking seen. I was more of a sidekicks kid. Uh, sidekicks was dark. <laughs> kind of sad. You think so? I was about to call him Jonathan Landis. <laughs> it's like food fusion, but with movies. Sequest was dope. DSV. Was <laughs> it was called DSP? I've never rewatched Sequest. But oh, when I had my third security job, I was able to watch Netflix while working. Netflix wasn't fully developed yet; it just stopped. Like it didn't have. Oh, they all hadn't the, put it all up yet. They didn't have all the seasons. Oh, and shit! I, you know, I didn't remember. Remember it? So I forgot about that back in the day. Netflix did have partial seasons of things and on stuff like streaming, that, where they'd have like eight episodes of like random seasons. They still do. They sometimes. still do it with newer shows. Some of my old man shows that I watch, mm-hmm. they it says season one and two, but in reality, it's seven and eight. And I don't know why they do that because they're like two seasons and it's one two. But if you actually look up that series, it's seasons seven and eight. Very misleading. Yeah, that's annoying. Mm-hmm. Your shit together, Netflix. You'd think they could do it. I actually watched a Netflix series this week. It's more of a, what I always think of as like a, a shitty mystery novel show. Okay. You know, like a grocery store mystery novel. Grocery store mystery show. There are a lot of them. There's a lot of BBC series that are just murder series or like woman was raped and it's lots of court stuff or something like that. Kelly watches a lot more of those than I can handle. And she was like, do you want to watch this? It's a Emily Deschanel. Zoe Deschanel's sister mm-hmm. from Bones. Okay. It's called Devil in Ohio. And I was like, it's got a cult in it. It's on my It's, it's in all my queue. devil-y and stuff. Mm-hmm. It's not very good. No. No. Fuck. It's like a fucking saltine cracker of like satanic cult shows. It's Is it the so... lifetime version of a satanic cult show? Kind of. What's weird is it has good directors. Like good directors all the way through. Bigger horror directors. You know, not ones that you'd be like, I recognize that guy's name. But when you look him up, you're like, oh, shit, that's Netflix. I was catching up on John Oliver. He was in the middle of one of the stories and he just random knock against Netflix. It was like someone else who gives us something no one absolutely asked for. Like (laughs) absolutely no one asked. for. You know, that Devil in Ohio thing looked good. It was just, you know, the hinge of a sci fi movie or a horror movie is Mm -hmm. you did your fucking research about the thing you're talking about mm-hmm. or you know enough about it to write this thing and it sounds like somebody just threw together what a satanic cult would be like damn and so it's real loose that's awful that's i didn't expect much i had some hope for it. i will say this at one point he like charts these farms on a map and then he like draws 
that they're a five point star. Need I say anymore? That's what that show was like. Frank is just sitting there making little, just like a face like he smells something bad. <laughs> There's no words for that. We get it. <laughs> you watch that and you're like, okay. And then <laughs> what I what I enjoyed a lot more was while Kelly was out of town, I watched a bunch of Haunted History, the History Channel one. Haunted History? I don't yeah. know if I ever watched that one. It's good. Does it have reenactments? Yeah. <laughs> I like reenactments. Is there any actual footage? No, I mean, it's like historical, <laughs> you know, like they have like the fucking the Roanoke colony and stuff like gotcha. that. You know, gotcha. It's cool. hist- It's a history channel show. I would love that. I would love that show. It's just haunted history. Yeah, it's just hauntings. Of, it's mostly where I grew up in the Northeast, you know, <laughs> like that area is terrifying. See, I'm going on a road trip next week, but I'm not going that far east. Just go a little further and you can see the Mothman, dude. Nope. <laughs> I will be driving through Chapstick. <laughs> I'll be driving through Arkansas, Tennessee, Kentucky, and Indiana. And I will be going through Arkansas in the middle of the night. And you know, I've toured the whole country. Highways is highways, man. I'm sticking to the main roads to stay away from horror movie scenarios. I went to visit my stepdad and my first stepdad in West Virginia. Mm-hmm. And uh, I was like, I'm going to take the scenic route. I am terrified. And I'm <laughs> from here. Yeah. You drive through some of those little towns and the whole population would like come out on their porch and be like, car, 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 car. And that does not make you feel safe. This is fucking terrifying. Well, you know, Texas isn't super friendly everywhere. Once we thought it would be a good idea to go to sleep right after work and then leave for the road trip at midnight. It seemed great in theory, but we went through some of those small West Texas towns, two, three, four in the morning. The shit you see on front porches in those towns that just have the highway going through it. So glad we got gas at the big places. That's all I got to say. They looked like flea markets. On at the front one point, porch. there was this old white man, but his clothes almost looked like railroad conductor clothes. And I <laughs> swore it was like a railroad conductor hat. And you could see the cherry on the cigarette. And you could see the head turn as you went by. And I was like, nope, fuck nope. no, fuck no, not nothing here, nothing for 50 miles. We fucking go. What the fuck, man? I don't need a conductor. I don't know. <laughs> and what's he doing up just standing straight up on the porch? Where's like, your train? <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But now I get, did you do any movies? I did, uh, let's see, American Werewolf in London. I rewatched mm-hmm. real late at night. I love that movie. <laughs> I fucking love it. Is it one of your comfort flicks? Uh, it should be, but I usually only do it around this time of year. Oh, more seasonal. It's when it pops up the most, mm-hmm. I think. I've never rewatched American Werewolf in Paris, but I thought about it right afterwards. Uh, I'm not going to do with the dead man on American Werewolf in Paris. <laughs> <laughs> the papers, Josh. But American Werewolf in London is fucking great. Those fucking dream sequences are great. It's been a long time. And then uh, I watched a, oh Black Widow. Black Widow was the other movie I watched. I haven't seen it yet. It was one of the better Marvel movies. It's right where I had to hit pause on Marvel. It was a, a nice jump back in the timeline. Mm-hmm. I would be down to watch some Marvel movies that were made in between the timeline we already have in the gaps. There's plenty of room. Yeah, plenty to fill Side in. Side stories. Because this felt like an off series. Like in a comic book, we're sort of an event series. But it's what's going to lead to an event series. And yeah. that's what I liked about that Marvel timeline. I don't think they can pull that trick again. They're never going to be able to pull the Avengers Endgame trick where they converge in an event series like a comic book does. Where like X-Men is here and, you know, when all the varying like 
you know, Batman and Superman and everybody's comics converge on one event. And so you have to read inside all things. And they beautifully did that with the movies. And uh, now I'm more interested in seeing stories, just individual stories where the whole thing gets taken care of in one movie. We know all about the character. We don't need any setup. We don't need backstory, anything like that. This was good. Florence Pugh and uh, what's his name? Plays Hopper on Stranger Things. He was fucking great. So funny with a Russian accent. <laughs> <laughs> He's right between the fat Hopper and uh, ripped Hopper, which you haven't ever seen. Or like uh, Hellboy ripped. Okay. You know, he's still got the gut. So it's like perfect timing. I forgot I watched the new Hellboy already, to be honest. I, I, I can lost. see how you could forget. Yeah. And then other than that, it was just series. I, I made Kelly watch Ant-Man for the first time because she'd never seen it. And I was movie? like, no, you'll like that one. Yeah. No, it was good. We held off on that one, too. I was like reason. more of a heist movie than a superhero flick. Love me some Paul Rudd, though. Oh, my God. So good. Michael Douglas is great. <laughs> the dynamic of the two of those people is really fun in that movie. And then I well, I went totally hard. I watched WandaVision. I watched Loki. Uh -huh. I watched Rings of Power. Totally caught up on all of those. And Loki is the clear winner. Loki, I did not have any desire to watch it, but I was like, I'm going to give it a go. Fucking Owen Wilson is great. It's a buddy cop, Doctor Who, time travel, time crime thing with Loki and Owen Wilson with a mustache. I can't. I do Marvel in batches. And I was I mean, going back through the timeline because Disney Plus has it all in timeline order. They have the chronological which order. Which is great. Mm -hmm. So I went through and I was like, don't care about that. Care about that. Maybe care about that a little bit. Loki was the one I was the least interested in watching that was like, I'll watch that. But after I do all this other stuff. But then one night I was like, I'll just try one. I watched the whole fucking thing Couldn't in stop. one sitting because it's six episodes. Love it when that happens. Nice and short, those Disney Plus series. And then we're caught up on She-Hulk now. So it's Shit. great. You have so much more time to watch things than I do. Fucking. I just dose down, man. I don't look at my phone a whole lot or anything like that. I'll just, uh, I don't think about what I want to watch for very long. Yeah. I just go for it. And that's been what I've been doing lately. What'd you watch? Not as much. <laughs> <laughs> um i did watch a cartoon with the kid the little one i put something on for her hbo max uh dc league of super pets it's really fun the adult humor was spot on it's dc so the characters are there and i love how the characters are portrayed in this one like the actual superheroes you know not just the super pets <laughs> but lots of laughs uh, it's a movie right yeah oh okay it's a movie it's not a series it's a movie on hbo max Currently. I like that kind of low commitment now. Yeah. Uh, my oldie was The Happening. You watched The Happening? I watched The Happening. I like The Happening more than I thought I did the first time. Mm -hmm. The first time I was like, fucking John Leguizamo blew me the fuck away in that. But the rest was fine. Well, And I feel like Mark Wahlberg was still finding himself a little bit at that point. I think he's funny in that, though. He is. What we always kind of joke about on the side are his facial expressions. If you try not to take him so seriously, he's fun. Well, he has this look that's like, I know you can't see it. Scott can. <laughs> it, it's this like frustrated, confused mouth open, cocked down a little. It's like Mitch Kramer grabbing his nose and dazed and confused. It's like his character tick. He's trying to be serious, a little more dramatic. But it's just this face like, <laughs> every time we watch it, I'm looking for Mark Wahlberg's face. I'm like, there it is. It's doing the thing. The new movie that I watched was um, We're All Going to the World's Fair. Is that a documentary or? No. No. Is that a horror movie? It's about this younger girl who gets lost in this online role-playing horror game. Oh. 
Like you watch a video, you chant something about the World's Fair a couple times, and then you start to transform. Was it good? It had promise. Is it worth a try? So I did. That's you the- know me. Sometimes I, I left turn on you towards the end of a movie where you're like, oh, and I'm like, oh, my God, this is dumb. If you have <laughs> spare time, there's parts of it that blew me away. This fucking awesome. They had some, you know, newer kind of original music in there. She did great. The lead actress. And it was like her featured first featured role. Da, da, da. Like they made sure to give her credit at the beginning of the movie. I was like, oh, cool. But she really did good. She freaks you the fuck out, makes you feel uncomfortable. When a character makes me feel that uncomfortable, job well done. You know, did you ever watch a We've Always Lived in the Castle? Mm-mm. It was a I forget her. Her last name's Farminga. She's from a American Horror Story. First one. Anne Coven. Like to a point, she was in all of them, I think. Which one was she in the in She's the daughter in Murder House. Gotcha. Yeah. Uh, she was in The Nun. Yes. She made me very uncomfortable through the whole movie. <laughs> and it was part of why it was so good. Yeah. She's so like strained and awkward, mm-hmm. you know? <sighs> well, this main character, Casey, she's a loner. I got a little stressed out thinking about it. There's a weird situation with whatever parent. I think it's the dad that she lives with. I don't, you couldn't even begin to guess what the fuck's going on there. Well, I mean, you can, but it's, they keep it vague. But the whole thing is you post videos of your transformation or what's happening as you're going to the world's fair. Look it up. And when you see the cover, what they have is the picture on the thumbnail now on HBO Max. That's what caught my attention. It's like, this looks weird as fuck. I haven't looked at HBO Max in a while, actually, come to think of it. That's why I was on it. And the last horror movie I watched on there was The Night House. Well, that's why I watched The Happening. I thought, ooh, new things, shiny. And I I saw The Happening. Fuck yeah, oldie but goodie. And then I'm scrolling and I'd seen that one just a week or two ago. Like that one's already been out for a minute. I'm spending too much time thinking about things when I do have time to watch something. So I said, fucking hit play. Watch it. And I made it happen in that one night. Give it a shot. If I had rented it, I wouldn't have been completely satisfied. You know, if it was back in the day. Or you might have talked yourself into liking it better. I feel like I did that back in the day where I I went and picked this and shit. Mm -hmm. I'm going to like it. It's one of those. It completely lost me at the end. I want to say I can see what they were trying to get across. A lot of things do that to me. But at the very end, I, I just couldn't think of anything else. But that's what this is coming to. That's how we're going to wrap this? That's how I felt about uh, Insidious. See, I haven't seen the first Insidious At in the so end long. of Insidious, I was like, oh, man. <laughs> it's doing so good. Was it like the end of Apartment 143? It was like the beginning. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, we're all going to the World's Fair. It was well done. I'd say it's a good movie. Just it's not what you expect. And it left me. I felt a little empty, a little not so satisfied at the end. If they could have just fucking wrapped it up a little bit, just a little different. I like when you get all twisted up about a movie, though, and that'll make me want to watch it. <laughs> so, like, Frank was confused. I'll tell you, there's a scene in the movie creeped me the fuck out. Oh, that's cool. That that was the thing. The Nighthouse, I was like, I, by the end of it. And the same with Uma. They both think, had a, you said don't watch it, though, right? No, it it's fine. Okay. It's just... It, I it, thought you said no-go. My... Absolute review of Uma was it goes too hard too fast and then it stops being scary because you get desensitized. Mm-hmm. You know, they're like you come and she's still sucking. <laughs> <laughs> I was, I was going to say something else about we're all going to the World's Fair, but I lost it. <laughs> I'll, there we go. The scene that I'm talking about that really creeped me the fuck out. It gave me goosebumps the first time I told you that just a minute ago. Ooh. It gave me chills. I'll watch something just for one fucking scene. It's that a, really gets you. It's a great scene. 
And there's a couple of things that are really awesome about it. I just, the end, I wanted something different. That's the Stephen King oopsie, I think. <laughs> That's what I like to refer Like the Tommyknockers, Tommyknockers is not a good book. As a whole, disjointed and written by a man on cocaine. <laughs> but there's like parts of it that are just, oh, they're zingers, man. They're just single chapters following somebody who's not the main character. And I would just be like, oh. Did you like the TV movie back in the day? I did. It was good. I did like the TV movie. I, wasn't it cut up into the parts? The cast was really good. Jimmy Smith's was really good. Jimmy that. Smith's. Yeah, that was one of his finer moments. Was that Marge Hellenberger? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, because she gets like emaciated and her teeth start falling out. <laughs> that shit is crazy. But uh, I meant to say, while you were talking about the happening, did you watch uh, the knock at the cabin door? Yes. And once you sent that to me and I watched it, it started popping up in ads on So when TikTok, I saw it, it's... it had just gone up. Like I was watching a YouTube video and they uploaded it. Right then. You saw it. And it aired in the middle of the thing I was watching as the commercial, because targeted directly at me. And, <laughs> and uh, the fucking hair stood up on the back of my arms. Mm -hmm. As soon as I saw that Asian girl, I was like, I've read this book. Mm. This is one of my favorite books. Oh, my God. And then I was like, gay dads. And then every casting decision and everything, like I was like, holy fuck. That book is primed to be an M. Night Shyamalan movie. Awesome. Because it's like a perfect Shyamalan ending, which isn't, doesn't always happen. I support all M. Night. Old fucking burn the house down, man. It was so good. I'll defend him to the death. It's like Star Wars. You're not going to get a hundred good Star Wars movies. <laughs> but if you get three, it was worth them making that many. No, his storytelling to me is it's different. He puts a lot of effort into the writing, and I really appreciate that Some of those shit. concepts that he comes up with, I'm, how the fuck did you even put that together? You know, it's just... At times it's so random, but it works so well. Well, the happening, I was like, this is so weird. And the, the like ending of it, I was like, the twist was at the beginning. <laughs> Fuck yeah. Oh, no. It was so good. The and Village I, is probably the least favorite of mine. And uh, it's just because I haven't seen it in so long. Being such a big supporter, I noticed that people tend to hate on The Village and Lady in the Water. Well, Lady in the Water is, I, I don't even count it. Fucking hate that movie. Lady in the Water. <laughs> on tv it'd be the so only thing i really like is freddie rodriguez's one giant <laughs> side of his body <laughs> yeah no i mean uh, bryce dallas howard though i used know? to make fun of my friend who was a camera operator one of his arms was, was bigger. bigger than the other one <laughs> no i mean uh, and i even enjoy lady in the water i gotta catch that every now and then lady in the water <laughs> do you remember the preview yeah. it would do the whole preview then at the very end and she was in the village. The village. I need to rewatch the village. It's been too long. When I saw it, I think I was getting tired of the twists. Mm. And uh, I was like, eh, of course. But I like the end. I remember liking the end. I'm really excited about Knock at the Cabin Door. Weird change. If uh, you're interested, the fucking book is called Cabin at the End of the World. And uh, I guess it's a lot of words. Or who knows? <laughs> but that book is fucking is a fucking banger, dude. That's going to be a really good movie. It's the perfect length book to make a movie out of, too. Mm -hmm. It's like a tight 300 pages. Well, so that preview that you sent me, though, everything that they show, I feel like that's going to happen really fast in the movie. They only showed you the beginning. That's the very beginning. It's the very beginning. I, I felt it. Uh, yeah, I promise you that. You, you saw nothing be so of the much end more of that movie. To that. No, I felt it. It's going to be a tense movie. It's going to be really tense. Man, Batista is perfectly fucking cast. Is he? Oh, he's going to do great he's for that perfect one. for that. He looked so good, and just the way he was delivering his lines. I'm so excited. Today, we're doing Jacob's Ladder, and uh, it still scares me, 
But I wish I could recapture that first time. When did you watch Jacob's Ladder when you were younger? My mom and her roommate had rented it. And while, like I said, between my mom and my dad, there was watch whatever you want. When she put this one on and it started, she was like, this is pretty weird. Like, she kind of gave me a warning, like, if you don't want to watch this, you don't have to. I think my dad gave me the same warning. Yeah. Like, he was like, this is kind of kind of intense. Man. She, she said, I feel that something along the lines of this might be too much for you. And they never said that to me about movies. It just wasn't a thing. I got to watch whatever movies I wanted. And it was. It scared the hell out of me and haunted me for years. I remember playing Silent Hill for the first time and mm-hmm. thinking about Jacob's Ladder, which was weird because while researching this movie, I found out that Jacob's Ladder is one of the huge inspirations behind it's like David Lynch movies mm-hmm. and Jacob's Ladder were his whole thing with Silent Hill <laughs> when he made those games. And it, I feel it, man. Those shaking heads. Did it have any influence on the tool videos? <laughs> I, 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 now that you mention it, maybe maybe a little bit. The, when I was watching it this time around, so I was, I thought I hadn't seen it. You in were him. just like stink fisting in your head. <laughs> just hear those fucking drums. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, I thought it had been way longer than it had been and it came to me I watched it on an afternoon one day a couple years ago you know didn't watch it at nighttime it was an afternoon movie somehow the last time I watched it it just popped up on something and I was like oh it's been a while but I thought it was so long once it started going I remember that I remember that I remember that it was all coming back and I it came back a little too fast but I was like you don't remember everything and you'll enjoy it and sure enough I was Mouth open at times, you know. I felt like this was a good pick for an off-the-beaten-path Halloween movie, too. Mm -hmm. That I wouldn't normally have picked it in, I'm going to watch Halloween movies, you know. I'm going to (laughs) watch this fucking depressing shit. (laughs) (laughs) But it's scarier than a lot of movies. And I feel like it influenced a lot of stuff that is really good horror now. Mm -hmm. Something else is going on. I, You know, don't want to say, you know, anything dimensional, but definitely... In the, the time thing. Well, I remember it really affecting me as a kid, especially opening with the Vietnam War stuff. Because even mm. when you were a kid in the 90s, you knew there were echoes of that. Fucking everything was like a joke about a Vietnam vet. <laughs> well, now that we're older, I look back on it. We weren't that far off when we were kids. That was 20 something years earlier when that ended. Now closer to it than where we are from when Jacob's letter came out to now. Yeah. It's my been longer from stepdad <laughs> was in the army during Vietnam. Mm-hmm. I don't believe he was there but you know had the threat hanging over him yeah i had an uncle who was in the coast guard but i mean that's that was like my mom's oldest sibling in this too uh if you look at the records apparently uh when you see his discharge certificate in this movie the number somebody had looked it up it was like a a guy who was consulting it was his discharge number from way earlier but it was a discharge number of somebody who had been moved from the coast guard to service overseas Mm. because out of necessity wow yeah but it was a real number from one of the consultants yeah wow that's cool the research in this movie is crazy i wonder if they would do anything like that nowadays i don't know i don't think they would do anything also hardest movie ever to summarize (laughs) really hard to concisely tell you what this is about without totally revealing the ending at the beginning my best attempt The movie opens in 1971 with Jacob Singer, played by Tim Robbins, who's fucking fantastic in this movie. He gave it this earnestness that it needed. It wouldn't have been so scary if you didn't like Tim Robbins so much. (laughs) Because only a comedy guy before, right? Pretty much. Well, up until that point. So his unit is deployed to a village in Vietnam. The unit's then attacked almost fucking immediately. And while most of the men are wounded or killed, 
a few of them lapse into convulsions and become catatonic, especially old twitchy eyes. He reminds me of the guy from uh, Ernest movies. Oh, yeah. <laughs> His neighbor or whatever. Uh, yeah, I always get them mixed up. But that guy's in way more movies now. Anyway, I'll let you go on. Sorry. <laughs> Ernest does Halloween. Jacob flees for the tree line and is immediately stabbed by a bayonet. And then he wakes up in the New York subway after falling asleep reading The Stranger by Albert Camus, which I only put in there because I think that's kind of important. After seeing a tentacle protruding from a sleeping homeless man, he finds the subway platform is locked and he's almost hit by a train full of faceless people while crossing the tracks to the other side to get out. He returns home to his girlfriend, who's a fellow postal worker named Jezzy, short for Jezebel. Mm. Kind of obvious, but it worked fine. The late Elizabeth Pena, which I didn't realize she was dead. She is? She's been dead a long time. She was in Batteries Not Included. 2014. Cirrhosis of the liver. Oh, she drank. Mm-hmm. Man. Yeah, the when I saw her, I'm sure I'd put it together before, but I was like, battery's not included. That that was the first. Yeah, and she's uh Sophia Vergara's mom in Modern Family. Really, <laughs> I think that was her last part. Damn. She gives him an envelope that arrived containing pictures of his old life, finding a picture of his deceased son Gabe, played by an uncredited Macaulay Culkin. Same year as Home Alone, too. Was it the same year? Same fucking year. Okay, 1990. Who knows how long this movie was in production though? Jacob begins to cry. Jesse takes the envelope from him and throws it in the incinerator, says she doesn't like things that make him cry, which seemed fucked up to me. Mm. Ugh, that, that like hit me in the guts. Though His reaction to it, his mm. Tim Robbins reactions really fucking got to me. But Jacob squirrels away the picture of Gabe in his wallet before that happens. Throughout the film, he flashes between visions of his family, flashbacks from his extraction from Vietnam, and the present-day visions of faceless, vibrating apparitions and demons. His life seems to be falling apart around him. His psychiatrist is killed when his car explodes. Jesse appears to be possessed sometimes. He is nearly run over in an alley, and to top it all off, his back hurts, man. Gotta see that chiropractor. Fucking postal worker's back Gotta hurts. see that chiropractor. That is real hell right there. As the scattered story converges on reuniting with his platoon, visiting a lawyer played by the not-yet-completely-bald Jason Alexander <laughs> in an attempt to uncover what has happened to them overseas. As a whole, the movie paints a picture of Jacob's breaking mental state in narrative form rather than in a linear depiction of events. And the horror aspect of it traps us in Jacob's point of view, building to a twist that is kind of as open to interpretation as the story that unfolds before it. Jacob's Ladder was released in 1990 after spending 10 years in perpetual pre-production, was directed by Adrian Lin and written by Bruce Joel Rubin. It also features some actors that I totally didn't remember were in this movie. Ving Rhames. <laughs> That was the one that threw me the most off. Ving Rhames. Ving yeah. Rhames is in this fucking movie? <laughs> Danny Aiello, Pruitt Taylor Vince, twitchy eyes. Eric LaSalle, ER. This was right around ER time, wasn't it? Little before. Little before? Little before. Okay. Also, Matt Craven, also in ER. Who's Matt Craven? He just had a, a brief stint on ER at some point, but I specifically remember him being on there. I looked it up and he was there. I didn't look at who he was. Was he the cook? <laughs> <laughs> Well, no, I mean, was he the LSD cook? Is in, that who that was? In ER? No. Who's Matt Craven? Oh, yeah. He's the, he's the, the yeah, sorry. he is yeah. the LSD cook. Yeah, you're right. Sorry. I was like, there was an LSD cook in ER? That's fucking dope. <laughs> also, Kyle Gass was in this movie from Tenacious D. Really? For one second. And Louis Black for one second. Get the fuck out of here. You didn't Were they in the loony bin? No. Ah, oh, shit. So Kyle Gass is when they put him in the bathtub. He's one of the neighbors. Louis Black is his doctor when he wakes up in the bathtub. 
Shut the fuck up. That was Lewis Black? Unrecognizable Lewis Black. So young. So very, very young. What? You shocked me. Yeah. I, it's, it, no way. I, I meant to pull it up so I could show it to you again and just see you be like, whoa. I'm normally good at that. You know, you watch something older, you think, well, I was that? like, was that fucking Lewis Black? And I like looked it up. And, yeah, see, I didn't get that sure. at all. I was looking for the people that I didn't see in the big names in the opening credits. It's one shot of him. I didn't realize so many people were attached to this movie at all. <laughs> it's crazy. Like, I remember Tim Robbins and I remember Elizabeth Pena. But uh, fucking Ving Rhames, that fucking threw me for a loop in the beginning of it. Opening with the war. It was no Saving Private Ryan, but it was gory. Until I saw this movie, my notion of what war looked like was MASH. (laughs) (laughs) Also, the writer of this movie, Bruce Joel Rubin, the things he wrote, I had no idea. Any relation to Paul Rubin? No relation to Paul Rubin. Also, Matt Craven, not related to Wes Wes Craven. Craven. (laughs) I did have to look. Kyle looks like him a little bit. I won't get into it. I know I've seen him in so much shit. I can't recall a single movie. He's one of those dudes. He's just there. Yeah, he's one of those dudes. He's He's around. He's He's just reliable. Yes. I feel like I saw more of like political roles. Like he was that dickhead politician guy. Yeah, for sure. For sure. He's been in some stuff as uh, administrator. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Administrator number two. (laughs) (laughs) But Bruce Joel Rubin wrote Brainstorm. Do you remember that shit? Brainstorm? With Christopher Walken. It's Natalie Wood's last movie. No, what's Brainstorm? Oh, dude, it's wild. Uh, We'll get to that. (laughs) I'm going to log that one away. Uh, He wrote Deadly Friend. Oh, really? Was Mm -hmm. that that one? The Wes Craven, uh, Christy Swanson. Yes, we were just talking about it. Yeah, we talked about it not too long ago. Man, that scene I was telling you about where the charred body comes up under the sheets. That's one of those things that stuck with me my whole life. I'm not saying I check the sheets still, but it's one of the reasons I look behind the shower curtain when I piss sometimes. A lot of Wes Craven movies on Peacock. I wonder if that one is. I scrolled through that whole list today. I didn't see that one. Mm. But I mean, the cover could be who knows what. You know, maybe I just didn't lock in on the title. Oh, okay. But he also wrote Ghost. Really? He also wrote Deep Impact, and he wrote The Time Traveler's Wife, adapted it. Mm. Those were the real notable things. There was other stuff, but those were the things that I thought related to this. The director, Adrian Lin, directed Nine and a Half Weeks, Flashdance, Fatal Attraction, Indecent Proposal, Lolita, the 1997 Jeremy Irons Lolita, Unfaithful, and Deep Water. Deep Water. This guy likes to make movies about people cheating on each other. Yeah, Unfaithful. Diane Lane. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Fatal attraction, though, man. That was the movie he did before Jacob's Ladder. Uh, that was Glenn Close, Michael Douglas. Yeah, that shit freaked me out. I always get them mixed up. And then there's the one that was the comedy with Armand Asante. <laughs> what was, what Fatal was that Instinct. Called? Oh, yeah. Fatal Instinct. <laughs> was that Sean Young in that? Oh, maybe. I don't I remember. I think it might have been Sean Young. Well. But it was Armand Asante. What's fucked up is I'll remember. <laughs> that over the real movies (laughs) i liked that one back in the day fatal instinct i almost forgot the name again man i forgot about that that was kind of pre all the scary movie movies and stuff like that yeah that was mid if not early 90s fatal instinct i haven't thought about that in years no it's a winner i can't believe he directed deep water that's wild makes sense though when you read the rest of his movies I feel like Jacob's Ladder is the odd man out in all of that. So well done, though. Just everything, top to bottom. Just so great. And for 1990, I'm not saying that things weren't great in 90, but things still look good. I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that there are no post effects in this movie. 
everything was when they shot it. Mm. Any special effect in this movie is the moment they shot it. All that shaking head shit, that's frame rate magic. He did it really well. No, it was so good. And it holds up today. It didn't give me that, oh, this is kind of dated. You know, I didn't get that feeling whatsoever. No, it's still so dark. It And it looked clean. It was very smooth. Oh, so good. Yeah, I was really surprised at how well this held up. The tone is exactly that thing that scares me about the late 80s, early 90s horror movies. We're about three or four years away from the really bubblegum horror starts coming out, you know? <laughs> We're six years from teaching Mrs. Tingle, but <laughs> yeah. <laughs> or seven, seven, eight years. Nine. Nine. I believe teaching Mrs. Tingle was 99. Was it really? I think so. Okay. Disturbed Behavior was Disturbed Behavior was 98. Okay, yeah, you're right. Yeah, so that was that lot, the faculty lot of horror movies. Mm -hmm. When I think about things that scare me, it looks like Jacob's Ladder almost every time. I also realized I was afraid of going to the chiropractor for a long time, and it may have been just because of the context of a chiropractor in this fucking movie. <laughs> also, he's the good guy. Yeah, that's the comforting, angelic presence. Yeah, because Lewis is kind of his guardian angel. Mm -hmm. I feel like I put it together this time better than ever. The metaphor of that, the guy that fixes your back, is the one who just who mm -hmm. puts you back on track and sends you on your way. Well, I worked so well. I was thinking the time period this was supposed to be taking place, you know, what, 80s? On a postal worker's salary, is it, like, really acceptable to go to the chiropractor that often? <laughs> it seemed like he was a family friend. I'm not tearing it down the storyline in any way. I was just like, man... Could that have been Let me be the explainer. Lewis knew way too much about his life to not be a family friend. <laughs> He'd been a part of his life for a long time. Very much. So. It makes perfect sense. No, no, no. That's fine. I will completely accept that. You show up to see your military psychiatrist, mm -hmm. and he's fucking dead. And the lady at the intake is, oh, what was up with her head, man? It's not a tumor. But that was one of those things where it was like he could have given her horns, but instead he just gave her a horn. A horn and some weird scabby shit. It was real gross. Yeah. All of the gore was fucked up in this. I wouldn't poke half of it with a stick. Mm-mm. <laughs> no fucking way. And the subtleties, you know, you mentioned the shaking heads. And the subway with the tail. And I watched the behind the scenes stuff for this. Did you see that? The wave. Oh, the wave. Yeah. At the at the would you call that the caboose in, on us? In the back of the train. Yeah. The sure, back of the, the caboose. It's the, the, the last car. The last car. Yeah, that wave spooked me even today. I saw that and, uh, and you know that's close to the beginning of the, that's the beginning of the that's movie. That's the beginning. That's where we're dropped into the actual and so story. I, I was in my setting, so it was dark. You know, I was under a blanket, just the glow of the TV. <laughs> and I saw that wave and I I thought to myself, Yeah, this is I'm ready for this. Oh, when they go to that fucking party. Oh, yeah. And she fucks the devil on the dance floor. Demon banging on the dance floor. Man, that was badass. Yeah. That scene really held up. How about when he finished? She <laughs> shoots that horn out the of her The horn mouth? out of the throat. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, whoa, they went there. I read that they auditioned 200 girls, different actresses for this, including, uh, I can't remember all of them, but Julia Roberts was one of them. No and shit. And that got turned down in favor of her. Was Rosie Perez one of them? <laughs> that would be likely if there were 200. Billy. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Billy. <laughs> but there were some other like big ones. Andy McDowell, I think, was on that list. No shit. Who, yeah. Auditioned for this and didn't get it. It was a good pick picking her. Not the obvious pick. I don't know. I think it was. I think that's for who you wanted to portray that role. That's perfect. Did you feel like she was uh, like the devil? No, that she was like 
a representation of his desire? Somewhat. Because at that one point he mentioned, I was married to the woman that we met at the party, the postal worker. Yeah. Oh, the, yeah we're jumping around a lot, but that scene yeah. where he wakes up in bed with, with his wife, the wife and you're wife. almost like, oh, it was all a dream. None of doing that to you in this movie felt cheap, though. No. Because I wanted him to, uh, it to all be a dream right mm-hmm. then. And I was really rooting for it. When he wakes up in that fucking bathtub again, he looks so... That's why you didn't notice it was Louis Black, because that it was expression intense. on his face is he crippling. He did so good. So good. You felt it. And I had this realization at nine years old that we're going to die, and it freaked me the fuck out. Not many people could have pulled that role off like he did. And mm-hmm. uh, the original choice was Tom Hanks. Really? He could have done it. I think Tom Hanks could have done it. This was a little early for Tom Hanks to do something like this, I felt like. But turn this down to do Bonfire of the Vanities. The director turned down doing Bonfire of the Vanities to do Jacob's Ladder. But his choice was Tom Hanks, and Tom Hanks went and did the other movie. You did the research. Did Jacob's Ladder win any awards? Not that I found. It Actually, uh, it was in post and production for so long because Mm -hmm. the film studio had no faith that Anyone was going to like this fucking movie. That sucks. And in fact, I didn't get a solid answer for it, but I think the son was added after the fact. Wait, son was added? Gabe. Or at least it happened at some point during production. They were like, we have to redeem this man somehow. It's weird because that's a consistent, you know, line in the story. If they added it later, they did it very gracefully. If they didn't, I think it might have been a change from the original screenplay. Because I know that the original screenplay was pulled back from religious imagery Mm -hmm. that was in it. He was like, people laugh when they see that. So we're not going to do that. And he made everything a little more body horror. And that was really effective. Apparently, American Horror Story Asylum was also inspired by this movie. No shit. Yeah, it makes sense. I think it even has that loaf that frame rate head twitching thing i haven't seen asylum in a while they lost me at hotel i if you jump hotel and go to the next one was the next one free show no free show was pre-hotel was it yeah it was they lost me at free show with the singing no they lost me at hotel but then i came back for whatever the fuck came next coven was i think maybe the best what i also think was inspired by this movie was the jacket maybe a little too much the jacket with Adrian Brody, where the doctor keeps oh. putting him in that fucking... Uh... <laughs> yeah, I rented that one without knowing anything about it when it was a new release at the video store. I liked it. No, I was I was fine with it. I thought all of his indie movies were going to be awesome because that one was good. No. No. No, <laughs> no. The next one I watched after that, which I could not tell you what it was, but it's probably a good thing. I've, I've completely managed to erase it. The next one that was at Hollywood, I was like, oh, yes. And then I got home and I was like, what the fuck was that? Yeah, God, I, could, I wish I remembered the name now, but yeah. I could almost say that the jacket was ripping Jacob's letter a little too much while still being good. Yeah. Totally different story. I was fine with the jacket. But when you start to think about it, you're like, well, oh, yes, very similar. <laughs> a lot of similarities there. Well, the whole parody thing when he's getting uh, wheeled through the basement of the hospital for x-rays, you know, when he looks over and sees a smash bike, you know, they did something <laughs> beer fest. <laughs> when they're walking oh my god that wasn't very best yeah they did the whole thing where you'd look over and see weird shit and i mean there are similar scenes in other horror thriller movies that are like you know you're passing through this fucked up like weird sideshow-esque fucking underground whatever you know cesspool of weird shit um but the, <laughs> when i saw that i thought of beer vest with the dude on the little tricycle what was freaking me out too was when he gets to the operating room mm-hmm. she's there as and, a doctor. And yeah, you feel like you found your lifeline in this familiar face. And they're like telling him he's dead. And 
she's just not helping him. I almost said something a little too soon. I'll wait a minute. I mean, there's no way to talk about fucking Jacob's Ladder without talking about the fact that this was the only time I think that this twist was really done right in my life. Like, really done right. It's like if North wasn't a kid's movie. Yeah. <laughs> I'm only making that it's reference. It's just like I, that, yeah. Yeah, because I just made it. <laughs> well, there's an Ambrose Beer story that was uh, a Twilight Zone episode as well called Occurrence at Owl Creek Bridge. Mm -hmm. And uh, it's about a guy who is hung and the rope breaks and he gets away and he makes it home and he's like with his family. It ends with the rope snapping, snapping. his neck and the whole thing took place as he fell. In that split second. And I, I feel like this was channeled into this movie. Mm. That's a really old horror story. Like Civil War era. They did it so well in this one, though. I wasn't I was really to watch the end is to relive it. Even knowing how this is going to end, you still were like, I've never, help this man. <laughs> yeah. No, no, no. And that's what I was going to mention was how many times is he told you're dead already a or lot. you're dead or. And Lewis's whole speech when he's fixing him the last time mm -hmm. and he has him on the table and he's like, you know, it's just demons ripping your life apart. If you look at it like angels deconstructing so you can move on to paraphrase. Yeah, <laughs> now, he said it much more eloquently than me. Yeah, and it was it wasn't a movie for me to watch right before I went to sleep last night. <laughs> it also <laughs> fucked with my dreams it, it, last night. I didn't have a nightmare per se, but I had weird fucking dreams. I, I sweat so much. Something was going on. I was uneasy. <laughs> Did Olympia take you and put you in a bathtub full of ice? <laughs> we don't use the ice maker in our fridge. No ice available. <laughs> don't get me started that on that. It's a weird things. thing to like take you out. Oh, that ice maker. I just want to throw out there. I got a work call very early on in this recording. And so I've been pushing it to the back of my mind this whole time. And I'm like, <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> Leave me the fuck alone. It's Thursday night. You got to use those modes, man. Make it so nobody can fuck with you when you're doing something you want. I just makes me want to fucking punch somebody in the throat. <laughs> <laughs> That's where I'm at. Um, but not at work, though. Um, uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I thought when Jesse shows up in that operating room at the end, like, oh, my God, this is just my brain trying to put it together. And I know there's no fucking point in doing that. Mm -hmm. But I thought that how crazy is it that the object of your desire outside of your marriage is mm -hmm. the thing that is sort of the guiding force through your purgatory on your way to death? No. And I made a I made a connection to Devil's Advocate, how part of the persuasion from Al Pacino is the muse, the sister. Oh, yeah. And then just like the, the women, you know, there's things that, you know, that act as a muse towards your main character. I was trying to turn her into this muse from the dark side, like from hell. I felt as if she was, like you're saying, the temptation, the desire. Yeah, because if you look at that a little differently, like the way, like he was saying, it depends on how you look at it, mm -hmm. at whether they're angels or demons. Mm -hmm. And she throws all those pictures away. And in the beginning of it, you're like, fuck this lady. The way that she laughs about the one son that's dead. There's these things that it. I saw the smile, the demon smile from Devil's Advocate in the, you know, co-workers' wives. You know what I mean? In the changing room? Yeah. I said... I saw that smile creep up on her face and I was like, she is just that much of a villain. She's 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 part of hell. I thought she was part of the dark side. But then at the same time, if you look at it like she's trying to get him to put all that stuff behind him, then it, exactly it feels different. It, that's why I couldn't I couldn't make the connection. I it was almost make it like stick. that. Uh, I was trying to make it happen and I, it would not happen. I have to show you the clip of it. But the the American Psycho scene. 
oh, where, with Willem Dafoe, mm-hmm. where they break down where they had him film it like he knew Patrick Bateman was the killer. <laughs> and then he films it as though he suspects him. And then one where he's completely oblivious. And then they cut the three things together. A lot of this movie felt like that to me, where you're, I don't know what your motivation with that is. Like when he brings her like coffee mm-hmm. at the post office and they have that like moment, it, that felt genuine. Or when she gets in the shower. Yeah. Real nice, cute, sweet, dirty. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I was trying to do this thing and make her into this something that she wasn't. It didn't it didn't weigh in. I wanted it to be there, but it wasn't because exactly as you mentioned, the case wasn't there. It was like almost like she was there because she wasn't attached to all that deep emotion. It was just maybe this woman that he had a crush on. At the post office, or maybe she was the could have been all of these connections that or all these things that he saw being attracted to people put together into one thing, and then she fucks that demon on the dance floor to that song. (laughs) I forgot to write down what song that was, but it was like fucking. I think it was a James Brown song. I think it was a James Brown song. It was just a weird song to be there. Yeah, but made sense for the seventies. It was weird seeing. A 1990 movie show you the 70s. But also, I feel as if we dipped into the early 80s. That's what I was saying. Yeah, maybe a little bit. Because there was a 10-year gap. They kept saying 10 years. So even though this was the his new world. Yeah, because for sure they were it was 71 in Vietnam. Mm-hmm. And then so you're right, a yeah. couple times they mentioned 10 years. And so I was like, oh, fuck, they did get into the 80s. But I'm like, it still looks awfully 70s. New York grungy dirtiness. Oh, for sure. That 70s New York, too. Yeah. Which was, I guess, still readily available in Because I was like, is this Pittsburgh? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, it, it looks so smoky. Um, Dirty New York movies. Yeah, that time. Those cars, too. Something about all the cars in the movie. Those big square metal cars. Yeah, the like Buicks everywhere and Cadillacs. And... Even his postal truck was like a fucking box truck. I like that he was just singing. Yeah, <laughs> he didn't have a radio. So, hey, I want to say somebody who's driven a big box truck, they couldn't cut out all the squeakies while he was driving. No. Did you hear all the? Did you notice Kelly the was actually annoyed by it? The squeaky. She was like, was... God, they just let that truck get all squeaky like that. I appreciate it. She can't it handle noises. <laughs> no, no, I completely understand that. I appreciated it because that's that's real. You're in a metal box truck. No matter what you do. That whole fucking thing squeaks while you're driving. It'll squeak while you're stopped. (laughs) You know what I mean? You've got metal sliding doors. There's no insulation. You know, you are in a box truck. It is what it is. And um, it's one of those little things. I've I've been there. That noise was on point. Squeaky noise. Yeah. Squeaky noise. I remember you talking about that in your car in high school. Oh, yeah. When you have a. What's that fucking squeaky noise? But then that's one of those things that I kind of admit. I knew what was wrong with that car. While it was happening, you could feel what was wrong, you know. So we were driving late 90s, early 2000s for the first time. Early 2000s. And I had a 77. That car, you could hear everything. Yeah, my first car was that GMC, 73 GMC High Sierra truck. Mm -hmm. Squeaky as fuck. So many weird noises and knocking sounds and stuff. Yeah, but I mean, you know, if it was knocking, it needed oil. If it was running hot, let it cool down, throw some antifreeze or water in that bitch. I didn't know any of those things then. I was like, maybe it'll go away. Oh, do you re- do you remember what I had in the trunk of my car? The toolbox? Oh, yeah. A case of oil? A case of oil, yeah. Yeah, case of oil, a toolbox, uh, yeah, in the trunk of a fucking 77 Camaro. That's what it took to keep it running. I think the uh, 
the twist of this movie mm-hmm. is in the title, if you're looking. Because Jacob's Ladder is the ladder Jacob dreams of in the Old Testament that goes to heaven. I didn't think about it then. I was like, it's when you take a string and you make the thing like this. <laughs> <laughs> and you show it to your friend and you stick your hand through there. Uh, <laughs> man. And then Kelly thought it was gym equipment. No, it's a ladder to heaven. And, and it's in Genesis. It's in the Quran. It's in, it's, I mean, it sounds like some religious shit. Well, Jacob is uh, the son of Isaac. Son of Abraham, so he is the the patriarch of the chosen people of Israel. <laughs> I am. <laughs> I think his degree must have been in some sort of philosophy or religious studies or something, because he was a doctor master of the arts. He had a master of the arts. What was his PhD? It never said, but he had a lot of books on Dante. Mm, did he? He had on like, the bookshelf when he was scanning for the cigar box. Like Dante's is, Inferno. And, is that when uh, you saw it, though? The cigar box? That beginning scene in his apartment, it scans over all these things. And then he's reading The Fucking Stranger by Albert Camus. Which I forgot is, that initial like sweep. Yeah. And that Camus book is about a man who he kills a man out of self-defense. Mm-hmm. But the way they convict him is that he didn't cry at his mother's funeral. <laughs> wow. Yeah. <laughs> it's wild. And it's a first-person narrative of it. And he's like, I'm not going to play this fucking game. That's how they convict him is they're like, who doesn't cry at their mother's funeral? So his self-defense case goes out the window because they're like, this man's a monster. <laughs> it's great. Camus is heavy. <laughs> Don't read that during a pandemic. I read The Plague at the beginning of the pandemic and not a good choice. Not going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> Man, this movie fucking held up, though. And Tim Robbins kind of would watch this movie if Tom Hanks was in it, though. I, th- I feel like it would have been close. He could have done it because this would have been right before Philadelphia where he gave a, an amazing performance. Yeah. I believe Philadelphia was 91, 92. Maybe? Yeah, for sure. So if this was not, like you're saying, the, the production time on this one, who knows? I still miss funny Tom Hanks. And funny Tim Robbins has resurfaced here and there. <laughs> oh, well, he resurfaced a lot after Hudsucker Prockies, after this and... <laughs> But he genuinely, like, through the whole movie, he looks like he's enjoying the the good moments. For kids. (laughs) (laughs) I fucking love that movie. It's so good. Jennifer Jason Leigh. Hey, and her accent is weirdly attractive to me in that, even though it annoys me. Yeah, you know, you see, uh, yeah. You know, like, (laughs) I'll bet my pullets are on it. Yeah, I'm like, why do I think that's hot? (laughs) Oh, man. She does so good. Is that fucking. Paul Newman? Paul Newman's in it. Fuck, it was. Holy shit. That's the Ramey Cohen overlap movie. Hey, they, did, they did it together. Did you, is that Paul Newman? <laughs> <laughs> You're like, Salsa. <laughs> what we have here is uh, a failure to communicate. <laughs> <laughs> that one hit deep. <laughs> Until I haven't had water for a little bit. That one was just like, I wanted to chuckle so deep and it was like. (laughs) (laughs) But I also, this time, I forgot it was a, uh, them dropping shit on fucking dudes in Vietnam. This movie is so dense that I forgot that was part of it. That they all fucking killed each other. Even though I'd seen it more recently than I thought I had. Somebody killed Ving (laughs) Rains. I mean, at that point, who was really dead? Well, once he was back, I was like, this should have been the tell. Was he's fine, petting his pigeon. When Santa Claus steals your wallet, you know, you one know of you're the, in hell. 
only notes I made as well. I wrote it down and I don't know why I did, but I was like, oh, that's fucked up, man. Dude, I've got six things down. No, five things from that movie that I just wanted to remember that was one of them. Because it's just so fucked. I didn't really take a whole lot of like actual notes. Uh, five, man. And I got it, five. This of- movie sucked me in really fast, too, for like a movie I've seen before. That's when, Once I saw that wave, I was in. I knew I, was, I wasn't going to doze off during that one. I still I want something to really fucking scare me. God damn it. I will find something. Okay. What bumped me out is like this scared me and it was a really good story, a really good movie. And a lot of the times the things that spook me nowadays are bad movies. <laughs> Why do you think I'm into so many of the found footage? Because those are the only ones that make me jump still. I can't even remember the name of it. It was a movie that came out two, three years ago. It was one where it was like it only moved in the dark. And so they were like holding a flashlight on it. Oh, um, yeah, because the kid kept trying to do the light switch and his sister was helping him. Yeah. I saw that Lights one out. too. Lights out. Lights out. Freaked me out, man. That one was good. Not a good movie, though. <laughs> I mean, it, I think it was good enough. It was good enough. I liked it. Yeah, it was the same. Crawl also kind of got me a few times, but that was a real danger. Giant crocodiles. Uh, I was going to say. Or alligators. Yeah. yeah. What, a, um, what did its snout look like? No. <laughs> <laughs> Were the teeth going up or down? Uh... But hopefully I find the one that freaks me out. Until then, we're just going to keep doing shit that's fun. Because next time, for the last week of October, we're going to watch fucking Demon Night. Tales from the Crypts. Tales first from the Crypt. And best movie. <laughs> but there's some other gems I'd like to just watch over the course of uh, October. I'm going to fucking watch. Before we get that full fall feeling. We had mentioned people under the, under the stairs out of nowhere. I haven't seen that movie in so long. And that one's not going to scare me, but I need to see that fucking weirdness again. It's no, been it's, too long. It's good weirdness. It's, it's been too long. That's pinnacle craven to me. That's where he's starting to be self-aware. I like that those parents made me feel like the parents from Parents. Randy Quaid. No <laughs> lipstick. <laughs> <laughs> or they're just fucking eating fucking bloody meat in the kitchen. All that shit. Oh, I saw that as a kid. They let me watch that. There was no disclaimer. I saw this after Twin Peaks. So I was like... They're together again. <laughs> God damn. Oh, man. I mean, right in the middle of everything. <laughs> no. And that kid, he was a Mighty Ducks kid, wasn't he? He was a Mighty Ducks in kid. In the second one. And the other one is, uh, was it Squeak or Mouse or whatever in Matrix? The one that's in really? the walls? Yeah. Really? Yeah, he's like the kid on the ship in the Matrix. No way. Where he's like... Did you see the red lady in the red dress? I made the lady in the red dress. Shut up. Yeah, that's the kid in the walls. That's how long it's been since I've seen people under the stairs. I wouldn't even have, I have not seen that since the first Matrix came out. Wow. That's a long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, man. That's some shit right there. Right there. Yeah, I need some fun horror, and I need uh, Tales from the Crypt. Is, that's my sweet spot. Demon Knight. It'll get it. Well, you gave me those seasons of Tales from the Crypt, and I was like, wait until October. <laughs> that's going to be my X-Files in October. Fuck, man. I still need to get on X-Files. I know some, the truth is out there. Are you going to find it this time? Maybe. That, it just depends. You know, I've, I guess I trust no one. <laughs> thanks everyone for joining us for the last video store clerks podcast be sure to leave a rating and subscribe you can find us on twitter at last clerks instagram at the last video store clerks and you can find scott at dispatches from the pit.com